I have an incredible discount for you to use on my favorite research-backed essential aminos I take every day to help support muscle protein synthesis. This is a big goal of mine moving forward, especially as I am getting older and approaching 40. Get this. A recent study looked at the importance of essential amino acids for women as they age. It found that relatively low doses, so three grams of leucine-rich essential amino acids actually stimulates muscle protein synthesis equivalent to 20 grams of whey protein in older women at rest and after exercise. While this is incredible news, unfortunately, most women aren't getting enough essential amino acids, and that can cascade into long-term issues because they're vital for functions throughout the body, including muscle protein synthesis, tissue repair, and nutrient absorption. So if you're a woman in her 30s like me and you're worried about age-related muscle loss, as little as three grams of essential amino acids per day is going to be the easiest way to support muscle maintenance. Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. I personally have been taking Keon Aminos capsules daily, both on workout days and off days to support my body's amino acid requirements. Amino acids aren't just for people who do strength training. No matter what you do to stay fit, amino acids are essential. Keon is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers or junk, and undergoes rigorous quality testing. They make essential amino acids available in capsules or powders. You can mix with water and the powders taste great. If you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic performance, get Keon Aminos. You can save 20% on all subscriptions, which is what I have. Just go to getkeon.com forward slash wellfed. That's getkeon, G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com forward slash wellfed to get my fundamental supplements for fitness, Keon Aminos. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome, friends. I'm so happy you're here. This is episode number 463 of the Well-Fed Women podcast today. I have the pleasure of getting to know and talk to JJ Virgin. Many of you probably have followed her over the years. I have known about her for over a decade and have followed her and her books and the work that she's done specifically for women over 40. She is sort of the pioneer when it comes to stress management and balancing hormones. Even in your 30s and how to prepare for that shift, for that hormonal shift, and what do you do when you get there? Today, we really dive into supporting your health and balancing hormones, building muscle, and aging powerfully, which I am here for. That is what I'm all about. We dive into protein. Is it a myth about your metabolism slowing as you age, key nutrients for aging? And yes, we do talk about how do you set yourself up for success if you're not in your 40s yet? What can you do now? Which I think is so valuable. JJ is a triple board certified nutrition expert and fitness hall of famer. She's mission driven to change the way the world sees aging and longevity. She's a prominent TV and media personality who co-hosted TLC's Freaky Eaters and was the nutrition expert for Dr. Phil's Weight Loss Challenge. She's made numerous appearances on PBS, Dr. Oz, Rachel Ray, Access Hollywood, and The Today Show. She's the author of four New York Times bestsellers. Her most recent book is called Warrior Mom, Seven Secrets to Bold, Brave Resilience. And she shares inspirational lessons she learned as she fought for her son's life. You can find more about her at jjvirgin.com. So now let's bring her on. Welcome, JJ. I'm so excited that you are here. You have been writing about women's hormone and health issues for a long time. Well, before this podcast even started, you have been a voice, I think, of reason for women who are feeling like they're going crazy and <laughs> are unsure of what's going on with their body. As someone who has been there and done that and wrote multiple books on it, what are, I kind of want to start with what are, and we were kind of just talking about this before we jumped on, what are the most important things that women in their 30s that are feeling 40 coming closer and closer, 
what are things that they can do to set themselves up for success in their 40s and beyond? This is such a, a good topic. question. Yes. And, and I feel, and you know, I feel like <laughs> post 2020, we are all quite crazy. Like we're all kind of losing our minds <laughs> and we all are taking on an enormous amount of stress. Like mm-hmm. we're trying to function at a level we were never meant to. And so our hormones are going to be hit by that. And especially during peri and, and menopause. So, right. Amen. You know, yeah. and what I'm going to share is if I could go back and tell my 35 year old self who knew this, by the way, not only did I know this, I was actually teaching this and I still was not paying as close of attention to it as I should have. And so that's what I'm really framing this as because it is that important. And when you look at what you need to do to be able to navigate your 40s and 50s and to be able to go into that period of perimenopause and not lose your mind and want to like, I always described it as you're in your body, you would like to unzip yourself, step out, leave, come back later because you're like so uncomfortable in your skin, you know, (laughs) and and it it doesn't have to be that way. And my hope for all of my younger sisters out there is that this information will help you never have to be in some of the places that I ventured into. Fortunately for me, all of my friends, my 50th birthday was me, Sarah Gottfried, Anna Kabeca, like all oh the hormone God. docs, me down in South Beach, having like, a, awesome. it was great. Perfect. Yeah. So when you look at this, and I think the reason this is so challenging for all of us is and I'm not a women's liver, by the way. So, which just now dates me as a totally old person to say that. But here's the thing women are in this weird place where we now all work and we, but we also run a household. And somehow we ended up with two jobs. We didn't like trade one for the other. Like it didn't just all of a sudden get divided between husband and wife or partners. All of a sudden, we're still figuring out if we have kids like the kids' doctor's appointments and parties and all that stuff. And so we run a household as a business and we run a business as a business or have a job and like we do all of that. And the first thing I would say is quit trying to be superwoman. About when I was about 45, I finally went, you know what? I did not sign up to, I don't want to be superwoman, didn't sign up for it. I'm not superwoman. So I'm going to stop trying to do all these things. Like I'm not getting any badge of honor here, right? So knock it off. And, you know, when you really look at what you need to do to be able to navigate into the 40s, and it's about 45, when if you think at 40, it's starting to go crazy, 45-ish, 48, like it'll, it, it can get really crazy if you don't do this one thing, heed this cautionary tale of you better figure out your stress management now. Mm. Like when you look at the single biggest thing that's going to impact everything else, it is your stress resilience, your ability to have, you know, a good, the right cortisol response to the day, getting coming up in the morning, getting you up, getting you moving, and then coming down at night so you can go to sleep. And if you are just trying to do it all and overworking and then overexercising to try to get your body into gear, all you're going to do is burn out your adrenals, which then are going to impact your thyroid, impact, start you into perimenopause earlier, because now all of a sudden it's going to lower your progesterone, right? Then you'll start becoming estrogen dominant. Then you'll see a big mess. So the thing that I, I knew this, and I was even working with a doctor who early on was teaching you know, adrenal gland burnout and insulin resistance before people were talking about this, we were teaching seminars on it. And yet, because stress is such a hard one to quantify, not anymore with HRV, I was, it was easy to ignore. And so I would tell everyone to lean into getting a tracking device, getting familiar with your heart rate variability, where your normal score is, look at what you can do to improve it, and then manage it on a regular basis. And if you see it starting to go down, start to get into action with it, which means we need some kind of a daily practice to relieve stress. And I say, you know, a daily practice, it has to be what's going to work for you because we're all different. Mm-hmm. Like if your daily practice is yoga, that's fantastic for me. That just creates more stress for me. Right. <laughs> I always say, I go do it, but it is not my stress reliever. But, you know, breath work or sound healing or Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations are the ones that do it for me. So you got to find that thing because as you start to go into perimenopause and your body's going to rely more on your adrenal glands to produce those hormones, 
And you've got to make sure that thyroid that tends to go down in women isn't getting, you know, impacted by the stress that can change, shift your conversion from T4 to T3. You got it. You're leaning on your adrenal glands. So when you start to get into those early 40s, I always say you lost your margin for error. That the gal mm-hmm. that used to be able to stay out late or drink too much or overwork or overexercise, like that's gone. So we got to get this play this in place now because it's going to help us navigate later. It just hit me after all these years of talking about adrenal health that if you're not actually taking care of your adrenals, when your adrenals take over, you're going to have a a crapshoot if you have, I mean, there's just no way out of it. So obviously taking care of your adrenals now will set you up for success because your adrenals are going to be doing the grunt work you know, 45 plus. I don't know why I never really thought about that before, but that makes total sense. I really actually didn't think about it until after it as an afterthought. And that's why I went, you know what? It's, I started talking about stress probably 20 plus years ago because I was, I was so into the concept of weight loss resistance and what could get in the way of you losing weight and cause you to gain weight. And it was obvious to me that cortisol was this one that could really mess things up in a variety of ways, right? It can make your gut leakier. That's a big one. It can um, lower serotonin. So then it impacts sleep, which then makes you more insulin resistant. It can impair your thyroid function. So it it lowers progesterone. So it can, you know, um, make your hormones unbalanced and lower testosterone too. So I just started looking at everything going, holy smokes. But I was looking at it in terms of weight, right? And not in terms of, well, as you start to go into perimenopause and your ovaries aren't now, you know, releasing those eggs, and now you're going to be producing your estrogen through your adrenals, those things better be working really well. So Mm -hmm. yes, it is the big epiphany. And we, it used to be, I think we got a badge of honor for being stressed out. That is not a badge of honor. That that's the fast track to feeling really crappy. So I think we've got to reframe all of that. And again, nowadays we didn't have HRV back 20 years ago. You could only do an adrenal salivary index test and wait for the results and then tweak accordingly. Now you can actually see it throughout the day, you know? So it's way easier to really get a good sense of how you're doing. Okay. I have to know, I I don't do heart rate variability. Is this something you still do now or is it only something that you recommend? And what does your day look like? How how, how are you figuring so, out what your heart rate is? Well, so how- it's easy. All you have to do is wear a Whoop, a Fitbit, uh, an Apple Watch, an Aura Ring, okay. and you'll get it. So that's the great thing is now with all these trackers, there's a couple different ways to look at stress. The one that I started noticing first way back when, and it was before any of this was talked about. And what I saw early on was I would see people coming in and I'd look at their labs and their triglycerides looked great, like they were 50, right? So I knew their diet had to be good. Like you couldn't have a 50 triglycerides and be eating like a, you know, big ultra processed food carb to high carb diet. Yet their fasting blood sugar would be like 100. And I'm like, what is, and their fasting insulin still looked good too. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I finally realized this was stress right? So a CGM can also tell like if you've got a great diet and an elevated blood sugar and especially an elevated fasting blood sugar, that is a sign of stress as well. But it's really easy. Heart rate variability, you should have variability between your heartbeats. And so it's that variability that your body's adjusting to, right? You're able to go, you know, do a fast run and come back down. And it's it's the ability to, to, to um, adjust and have that variability that tells how well you're handling stress. And so you can just check it on your watch or your ring. And so that has become one, like I'll look at my, you know, my sleep one and I'll look at my daytime one and kind of watch it the best I've ever done. And it varies now, you know, as you age, it goes down. Um, When I did a week long, I've done a couple week long Dr. Joe Dispenza retreats and my heart rate variability is amazing, (laughs) but that is not real life, right? And yeah. so you really want to check it. It's it's sort of like for me, we talk a lot about exercise, yet when you really look at what your day is like, you might have a window of time that you exercise, but you have all day long that, that you should be moving more. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to look at physical activity and exercise. And so, you know, 
an aura ring or an Apple watch is a great way to kind of say, how active am I all throughout the day? Because if you go to the gym for and work out for 30 minutes and sit on your butt for 23 and a half hours, mm-hmm. and I look at this the same as we're using these metrics to go, how do I see what my normal is? How do I then optimize, you know, see what's impacting it? Like, you know, alcohol is going to mess up your HRV. Overtraining is going to mess up your HRV. So you start to connect those dots and improve upon it. And during the pandemic, my weight started going up a pound a day. Now, first I was like, okay, you know, one pound one day, you're like weird water shifts, whatever. But when it's one pound every day for five days in a row, it's not. And I was like, what is going on? What The stress had triggered an autoimmune reaction that caused, (laughs) but luckily I caught it early. So that's why these things, like all these tools we have now are amazing because we can start to see, and especially when you're in that point of perimenopause, which now we know can start as early as like 35, but reality is it's probably early 40s. You'll know it when it starts to hit you, (laughs) but- the more you know the symptoms and the more you're aware of what's going on with your body, you're watching you're watching your biompedance, you're watching HRV, you're checking in with your sleep. I mean, one of the first things that starts to go sideways is when you know um, when your hormones start to go sideways, mainly because your progesterone is probably coming down and that's impacting your sleep. So you can start to then know what to do with these changes because you know the challenge with lab tests with hormones is you're taking a snapshot of a moment in time. And that's not what our hormones are doing. They're changing all the time. And to really know how to balance your hormones, the first thing you always start with is getting your adrenals as good, as healthy as possible, making sure your thyroid's working well, because if that's not working well, you'll never be able to balance those hormones. And then really understanding your symptoms, because that's where you can work with a doctor to go, okay, maybe I need a little progesterone right now. You know, my cycles are are shortening. I'm not sleeping well that would be the most helpful thing here. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, that's, that's labs are going to be useful, but the symptoms are actually probably even more useful. I like that. And it's empowering too, because you're taking, you're tracking the data yourself and you don't feel so helpless because a lot of women, right. I think all of a sudden things start happening to them and they just don't know why or right. what to do about it. Right. And, and a lot of times they're trying to do everything and nothing is changing. I know. Well, the things that you did in your 20s and 30s are not going to be the things that are going to really help you through your 40s, 50s and 60s and beyond. And I will tell you that as someone who just turned 60, I'm sitting at like 10% body fat and I'm the fittest I've been. And that's important to, to note because like there's this idea that, oh, you know, I'm screwed. (laughs) This is it. And Just understand that as you go into that point of perimenopause, the way I describe it is it's as if like I live on a canal now in Tampa, Florida. So I've got a paddleboard and you go down the canal, it looks totally awesome and calm. And then you go out into the bay and it's like, whoa, you know, and that's, that's what perimenopause feels like. It's calm. And then it's like the wind comes up and then it's calm and the wind comes up and you've got to have your body ready for when the wind comes up. Because it's going to come up. And that's where you've got to know, okay, is this, and and again, I was fortunate to have amazing hormone doctors around me helping me navigate that. The first part of it is have the best adrenal health you possibly could. Get the self-care strategies in place like the meditation. I hadn't done that. Get that in place so strong. And, you know, there's things like ashwagandha and rhodiola and ginseng that can help tremendously there too. Get that stuff going first. Because that alone will make a big difference. Make sure your thyroid's working well. Those two are key players. Do the things like some great isoflavones in food. I'm not a big soy fan, but things like garbanzo beans and sesame seeds, depending on someone's diet, there's some great things in there for getting some of those phytoestrogens in there. Use some of the supplements that can help, like black cohosh and vitex. Use the things that help detoxify the estrogens, like calcium deglucurate and dim. And then at the point when that's not enough, start using the hormones because like you can't, you can't like detox your way out of needing, like when your estrogen goes, your estrogen goes, you can try all the phytoestrogens you want. It's not going to do it. I am so excited to announce that subscriptions are available on my favorite digestive enzyme ever. It has completely changed my digestion. I take it every single day. And now through February 1st, 2024, you can actually subscribe for two bottles every three months. 
at 20% off. And if you're listening to this after February 1st, you can still sign up for a subscription. It'll be 15% off. Let me tell you why this has changed my life. I found something called Digestive Complex. It has a blend of 10 different enzymes, including lactase to help with dairy and protease for protein digestion, and a blend of herbs like licorice and marshmallow root, which are calming for the stomach. It also has hydrochloric acid, which is often suppressed when we're stressed. I randomly just get digestive issues occasionally, especially if I'm traveling or eating out. And I also notice it when I'm upping my protein intake or I tend to have a higher protein day. And so taking these digestive enzymes specifically at dinner when I tend to eat a lot of protein has made such a huge difference. I am not exaggerating when I tell you it's completely changed my digestion. Digestive Complex is a synergistic formula that provides support for healthy digestion and relief from occasional discomforts such as gas, bloating, and indigestion. I think just about everyone should have a bottle on hand to proactively help your body digest food especially if you're dealing with a chronic condition or you're under stress or going through a season of stress. I also find that it's really important a lot of people are deficient in nutrients. And when you bring in a digestive enzyme, you're allowing your body to digest nutrients better. So you're absorbing your nutrients better and you're at a lower risk of experiencing a deficiency. For a limited time, you can get 10% off Digestive Complex. Go to mdlogichealth.com forward slash digestive. Again, that's mdlogichealth.com forward slash digestive. Use code WELLFED for 10% off or sign up for a subscription like me. You can get two bottles every three months for 20% off for the life of the subscription as long as you have it. As long as you sign up before February 1st, if you're listening to this after February 1st, no problem. Sign up for a subscription and you'll get 15% off. I want you to bust some myths or at least maybe not bust some myths. Tell us if there's some truth to it. There is this idea that your metabolism continues to slow as you get older and that Mm -hmm. contributes to a whole host of issues. I know we had a lot of women write in and say, I don't know what to do. I'm doing the exact same things and I'm gaining weight. So is it true that your metabolism slows down or is it more about muscle maintenance and insulin sensitivity? There is so much stuff here around this that's but I remember hearing the the research, Will Lee brought this to my attention. So shout out to him. That your metabolism, all the research shows us doesn't really slow down till about 60. Hmm. And it's not really that significant. And I'm thinking men must have done this research because every woman 40 plus knows. And I said, okay, so if it's not that your metabolic rate's slowing down, what's changing? Because something's changing to favor fat storage. So let's think about what happens because if it's not metabolic rate, then what is it? Because it's something, right? Yeah. And so when you look at what starts to happen, number one, you know, you've got estrogen fluctuating, but dropping. We need estrogen to build muscle. We need estrogen to burn fat. Testosterone's dropping. We need testosterone to build muscle. You know, we don't talk about testosterone, but it's our bigger hormone. Like it's the hormone we have the most of, of the of the sex hormones. Progesterone is dropping. Now, progesterone can be mildly thermogenic, but it really is, helps us with calming and sleep. And if we're not sleeping well, what happens? We start becoming more insulin resistant, right? One poor night of sleep, we're more insulin resistant. If you're more insulin resistant, it's harder for your body to burn off fat. But the big one that's happening is cortisol's coming up. Cortisol tends to rise as we start to get older, which is weird and not fair. (laughs) You know, it's like, why would that be happening? And then you look at like we have the fat cells around the belly tend to have more cortisol receptors. So like this is the hypothesis for why we put on more fat around our belly. Now, we also know insulin can do that, too. So I always look at this and go, is this belly, this visceral adipose tissue, is it more cortisol driven or insulin driven, it's probably both driven. And both of those things are tending to become problematic. So I say this is more of a hormone issue. And that's important to note, because if it's a hormone issue, then what do we need to do? And I'll tell you a funny story about this. As I started to meditate, which I did during the pandemic, because I was like, all my travel, I usually travel 80% of the time. I'm like, okay, well, that's out. So now what do I do? And I started going to Dr. Joe to spend some meditation retreats. And it took a while, like I am was always the, I can't meditate. Well, 
I decided to treat my nervous system like as if I was taking my my you know musculoskeletal system to the gym. I'm taking my nervous system to the gym, and I gave it six months. And I sat down to dinner with Dr. Joe about six months in, and I go, I know why this is happening, but it still blows my mind that it did, that I've lost five pounds meditating, five pounds meditating, sitting here meditating. What happened? My cortisol is now not, I'm not in this like, you know, got to run from the tigers. I'm becoming, I'm better sleep, more insulin sensitive. So I think what we have to look at are what are those big players going on? And that's why I say HRV is a great one that you can start to look at right now and insulin sensitivity. And so if it's not metabolism, but we do start to lose muscle as we age, we know it's starting at about age 30 and you look at muscle and putting on muscle, like how much more does that really improve your metabolism? If you had 10 more pounds of muscle on you, maybe 50 to 100 calories a day. It's not like it's substantial over time, but maybe not that big of a deal. But what really is happening there? A couple different things. You go in and you work out hard. Your body learns how to work out hard and recover. So it's one of the things is you're training your nervous system, how to handle stress and recover. But the other part of it is like the fastest way to become more insulin sensitive is to become more insulin sensitive in the muscle. And you're also giving, I like to call muscle the metabolic spanks that holds everything in tighter and helps, you know, boost your metabolism, but also as a sponge. It's it's a place now that your carbohydrates have to go. You go in and you work out hard. You use glycogen from your muscles as your fuel source because, you know, this whole idea that we want to burn fat while we exercise is silly. It doesn't matter. That's meaningless. Where we what we really want to do is use up our glycogen stores as much as possible. And we won't, you know, it's hard to use up all of that. You'd have to be pretty exhausted marathon or something. But I think a lot of it really is you're more insulin resistant, you're elevated cortisol. Mm-hmm. Elevated cortisol with insulin resistance makes you hungrier, crave more carbs, and better at storing fat. Yeah. Talk to me about protein and what even kind of like how you've adapted, I'd be really interested to know how do you adapt your, how have you adapted your protein as you age? Because there's a lot of research that's coming out that shows that our protein needs increase as we age. Whereas a lot of people as they age, eat less and less protein, but we don't actually take it in as well to initiate muscle protein synthesis. So what are you doing? Like, how are you in making sure that you're getting a decent amount of protein and how much do you recommend if you have like a target for women 40 plus? What what are your thoughts on that? So you look at this, the research and starting like at around age 30, we start to lose muscle. Now, this is if you're not actively working against it. So, you know, I'm sure that this is not this audience, but you look at most women, most women still are afraid to lift weights. I hear it all the time and it just blows my mind. I don't want to get bulky. I'm like, well, you could stop if you did. Mm, but yeah. the only way I've ever seen a woman get bulky, I've I've 40 years of doing this. I was one of the first personal trainers out there. And in 40 years, I've never seen a client get bulky lifting weights. I've also haven't seen other women at the gym getting bulky lifting weights unless they're taking anabolic steroids. It is we're still fighting against this idea of I'm going to lift weights and get bulky. It's hard for women to put on muscle. If we can get a pound of muscle on a month, yay for us. So you're losing muscles, you age. But you don't have to if you're doing the right exercise and protein, which we'll talk about. And you're also losing strength and power. You lose more strength and more power. So you have to think of training differently. But in order for you to build muscle, you've got to have optimal protein. It's different in your 20s. Like when you're younger, it's it's a whole different thing. So we've got hormones to help us there. But it's when we go start to go 30 plus and hormones start to shift, we have to really start paying attention to the protein. And specifically, and this is the work of Dr. Donald Lehman, and Gabrielle Lyon talks about this in Forever Strong, we need the leucine that's going to trigger muscle protein synthesis. So my recommendation is this, and and I'm a huge protein protein fan because when you look at the three macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs, protein is for building, fat and carbs are for energy. They're fuel sources. Now, you can use protein as a fuel source, but your body doesn't want to. It's like a last resort, 
right? You can mm. make sugar from protein if you need to and use it for a fuel source, but you're not, it's, it's very costly to do so. Protein, interestingly enough, is the most satiating of those macronutrients. It's the one that has the highest thermic effect. So when you eat, it, it takes about 25% of those calories to, to be used in the processing, metabolizing, assimilating of it. And there's a study show that when you eat protein, you make better food choices. So my whole mantra now is to eat protein first, because what I find with a lot of women, they are not getting anywhere near the amount of protein that they need overall and at a meal. And I'm going to talk about the most important meals for doing that, the, what I call the bumper meals. So I like to say I have a protein calculator that I created, and it's somewhere between 0.7 and 1 gram per pound of target body weight. If you are a vegan or vegetarian, I push you into the higher levels for sure, because you need to get that balance of essential amino acids. For your bumper meals, you want to hit that leucine trigger that's going to help with muscle protein synthesis. When you think about it, you stop eating two, two to four hours before bed. You start going into muscle protein breakdown as you're sleeping, which you want to do. Your body is breaking down and repairing, breaking down and rebuilding. So you're breaking down. You wake up in the morning. And you're going to eat breakfast somewhere, you wait at least an hour after you wake up, but somewhere, you know, two hours after you wake up, you're having breakfast. This is your opportunity to stop the muscle protein breakdown, but you only stop the muscle protein breakdown if you eat enough leucine in the amino acids in the protein that you ate. So if it's animal protein, that's probably 30 grams or so. If it's plant-based, you probably need to hit more like 40 grams or so. I do about 50 grams of protein in the morning. Now I'm 140 pounds and I generally get 140 to even 180 grams of protein a day. I've always felt better, higher protein, but I make sure on my bumper meals, breakfast and dinner, that I'm going for the higher amount because I want to push off muscle protein breakdown as long as possible at night. And I want to stop muscle protein breakdown as soon as possible after waking, not too soon, because you got to get your body time to wake up, your pancreas ready to start secrete insulin again. So I eat within about a 10 hour window and I generally will get in, you know, I really focus on getting in the protein that I need at both of those meals as the most important, but I'm getting generally, you know, anywhere from, again, 120 is the lowest I ever seem to go, but somewhere in the 140 to 160 grams. Can you tell think, me quickly what your breakfast looks like? Because yeah. everybody was like 50 grams of protein. Like I think the number one question I get is like, how do I do that? And I'm like, just eat more of the things that have protein in them. Yeah, like, eat we have more. This, so that, yeah, this is me. why you eat protein first. So this is yeah. the whole thing. I, have you heard of that hypothesis by the two... And I think it probably shouldn't be a hypothesis anymore. It should be a theory, but it's called the protein leverage hypothesis. No, I haven't. Oh, this is such a cool thing. It's got two very difficult names to pronounce from Australia who were looking at locusts and discovered this hypothesis that they then looked at monkeys. And it's like, they keep they, they keep proving it more animal groups. And if you just think about it, you go, oh, I've, gone, I've done that. And so what the protein leverage hypothesis says is, you know, we have our nine essential amino acids that we need. And- if we're eating more, say, like, you know, plants that are lower quality essential amino acids, mainly because they don't have the right balance, you know, or more fat, we will continue to eat that food to get enough essential amino acids. We will overeat to make sure we get what we need in terms of essential amino acids. When I heard this, I went and I think of, you know, going with friends to a vegan restaurant and always walking out of there still feeling not satisfied. Like I, and I was like going, I just ate more food than I would normally ever eat, feel like totally bloated. And I'm still feel hungry, you know, because <laughs> I hadn't gotten what I needed. I was joked. That I felt like I needed to put a roast in my purse or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when you think about that, well, what if you just flipped that and you just said, I'm going to eat protein first. Now, what could that look like for you? So when I wrote The Virgin Diet, it was because I'd been doing uh, this course for doctors called Overcoming Weight Loss Resistance. And part of the course was talking about gut dysbiosis. And we were using a food sensitivity test as well. And what I kept seeing in this food sensitivity test is the same food showing up. Dairy and eggs were the top, and then soy, corn, and peanuts were the next round. And this inflammation or this uh, leaky gut or permeability of the of the uh, small intestine was caused by gluten, fructose. So I pulled those out and pain medications and stress, stress being the biggest player. 
I bring that up because if you've got an intolerance to dairy or an intolerance to eggs, you would not want to use those as primary fuel sources because that would create some low-grade inflammation. Low-grade inflammation can also impair muscle protein synthesis. So who wants that? But if you are not dairy intolerant and you know that because you've either done an IgG4 food sensitivity test or you've done the virgin diet where you do an elimination diet, heal your gut and re-challenge the foods, then Greek style yogurt, whey protein, or an egg, pastured egg and egg white combo can be great. The way that I like to do it is I'll use things like I'll do a bone broth shake. I'll mix my bone broth and my pea protein. And then I'll add in some some flax milk that's also got a, that's protein enriched. So I'll do it that way. Now, the other thing that I like to do that's, and here's the thing, like, you know, traveling all over the world, we're the only ones that somehow decided that we should have dessert for breakfast. Yeah. You can eat, you know, leftovers from lunch or dinner for breakfast. You can have chicken for breakfast. You know, you can have salmon for breakfast. So you can eat. Right. Like if I, if I went out for the night before and have any leftover steak, that's always on the, the plate for breakfast. Yes. So you can easily do that too. I think the biggest thing to to not do for breakfast is eat traditional breakfast foods. They're just I think garbage. that and I think that's why so many people have a hard time conceptualizing how do I get all this protein in is because we have kind of Normalize and look, they're convenient. They are convenient. So it takes planning to actually, and you have to make breakfast. You can't, it's not just pouring a bowl of cereal, which I I wish it was that easy. Well, but you could do Catalina Crunch with flax with with <laughs> good car. If you want to be a totally lazy person, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could do that. But the thing is, is so make some, you know, we do our lazy lunch is either turkey burgers or grass-fed beef burgers. Like we just make a bunch of them. Yeah. That's an easy thing you could do for breakfast too. Like that's simple. Have a little bit of tomato and avocado and call it a morning. Like mm -hmm. you're good. You know, like I just had for lunch, I had five and a half ounces of grass-fed beef. I did a little bit of goat cheese and some mushrooms. Yeah. Like easy and some blueberries. Yep. I love that. That sounds really good, actually. It was really good. Like I'm yeah. I'm kind of going through this obsessive blueberry and blackberry phase right now, but we've yeah. been doing a lot of um, mushrooms and onions. So we make mushroom and onion medleys all the time and just do that with grass-fed burgers or mm -hmm. turkey burgers. And it's like awesome. And then I'll do a little, a little bit of goat cheese on top. So that sounds really good. It's really, but see, here's the thing. Eat protein first. It's really, it's, that is like my mantra at this point, because I know that if you do that, you'll get full and you'll have gotten your protein in. And the other way, you know, you look at it and go, okay, you just ate, you know, what a big, a big salad with croutons and crappy dressing and, you know, dried fruit and, and probably got three ounces of chicken. Yeah. So there's the problem or double up, like double up your protein. If you're going to like, we'll go to sometimes the chopped or mixed salad places and we always just double up whatever the protein is. That's smart too. Oh, that's a good tip. It's just easy. You know, yeah. it's like you look at that, like last night we went out to a steakhouse in town and we ordered this big porterhouse that was the right size for both of us to share. So we just like, we just asked the questions. So I have some questions from the community. I have an interesting one, and I think that you mentioned a few nutrients before, so I want to kind of touch on that. Rachel says, I'm 34 and wondering what type of hormone changes to expect as I approach my 40s. Are there herbs like Vitex that can help? I, I'm already very moody around PMS, and I would like to know how I can control similar hormone-related issues. My husband would appreciate it, too. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the first one is get that cortisol like dialed. You know, there's some great formulas out there. The company that I use a lot of their supplements designs for health has one called FemGuard Plus Balance, and it's got Phytex in there. It's got black cohosh. So it's got some things that help. I think it's got like broccoli sprouts and dim. So you look at a couple things you want to do. One of them being, and I love, by the way, flaxseed for this. I think flaxseed meal is fantastic for, for helping with detoxifying some of the estrogens and also helping with some phytoestrogens. So that's the first place that I would look is like that. But at 34, if you're already starting to have symptoms, I want to look further that and go, what is going on with your stress and what's going on with your insulin? Hmm. 
right? Because you shouldn't be having those PMS symptoms at 34. So what's going on and why is that happening? Do we have anything going on where you've got PCOS, which of course is insulin resistance, or is it a stress thing? So I dig deeper because you expect to see that more, you know, mid forties. You don't expect to see it mid thirties. Yeah. BK Miller has a great question that we all just want to know, can perimenopause be reversed or delayed? I'm not ready to be in this phase. <laughs> it's sort of like when you're pregnant and go, could we just wait another month or two? No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be happening in your 30s. And so there's the, which is just the genetic normal part of it and which is probably stress triggering this to happen earlier. Like, you know, for example, for men, men, andropause should be about 57, 58 years old, but all of a sudden men's testosterone now is going down in their forties. Clearly Mm. we've got two things going on there. Xenoestrogens, toxins, right. And stress. So same thing with women. If you, you want to postpone this as long as possible, well, what can you do? watch any of the type of xenoestrogens that you're getting, the estrogenic effects of things, and watch the stress. Because those are the things that you can control that will get this from starting too soon. And then I would look at that FemGuard Plus Balance supplement because, you know, those are the things that you can help with balance. And I'd look at also, you know, your diet. Obviously, eating the right diet is going to make a huge difference. And like sugar is not going to be your friend. Sugar is never your friend anyway, which is, it's funny when I wrote the sugar impact diet, I'd never had a sweet tooth. So I was like, I write the virgin diet and people tell me they can't quit sugar. I'm like, really? Just stop eating it. You know? And then I'm like, oh, this is a bigger thing than that. But you think about stress. What does stress make you do? It makes you crave sugar, right? right? So they go hand in hand. So fix the stress piece of it. And you know, if your periods are shortening, you're getting bad PMS, talk to your doctor about uh, doing a little oral progesterone because that might solve a big problem there too. If there's anything that I've learned in the last 37 years, it's that sleep matters. And it actually matters a lot what you put on your face for eight plus hours a night. I say this because until a couple of years ago, I was actually sleeping on cotton and my skin and my hair suffered as a result. If you've ever woken up with frizzy hair or a bunch of sheet marks on your face, that's because of cotton. Cotton actually absorbs moisture and your skin care and can dry out your skin and hair. You know, when you finally do that thing you've been reading about and meaning to do forever, and then you're like, why did I wait so long to do this? That's how I feel about my 100% mulberry silk pillowcase from Blissey. Silk actually reduces frizz and tangles and prevents breakage because it keeps the moisture in your hair. And best of all, it's temperature regulating and always cool. My son actually hates it when he comes in and cuddles with me. He's like, your pillowcase is cold. I'm like, I know I want it that way. Also, if you have to pull your hair back like me, Stop using elastic hair ties. This is true for you and your kids. Elastic can cause more breakage and creates these creases. Blissey actually makes amazing silk hair ties. It's what I use every night. And I don't have horrible creases when I wake up. Blissey's 100% mulberry silk pillowcases are naturally hypoallergenic, cooling, and unlike other silk pillowcases, Blissey's are machine washable. Everybody I know loves them. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. Men love them, too. They have over one million raving fans, and you could be next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com forward slash well-fed and get an additional 30% off. That's blissy, B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com forward slash well-fed and use code well-fed to get an additional 30% off. Your skin and hair will thank you. AZ Petra says, WTF is up with PMS insomnia. I'm 39 and it just started in the last few months. And I feel like, JJ, this is what I hear a lot is like, when you get into your 40s or you're near it, you have problems sleeping. What is going on there? But that's likely the progesterone thing. So that's likely cortisol coming up, progesterone coming down. Think about progesterone. It's it's the calming. It helps you sleep at night. Now, if you've got PMS, your period shortening, you're not sleeping well, that would be something to consider. Mm-hmm. I know that they sell like the over-the-counter liquids, but I think this is really one where you you go to a good functional medicine 
doc who's used to doing this stuff because you're messing with hormones. But that's one I would definitely look at. And Anna Kabeca has got some great info on this as well. My girlfriend, Dr. Anna Kabeca. So that's the, what I would look at. And then of course, it's also, okay, well, what can we do there with stress? Because stress will lower your progesterone. Yeah. Right. And then what other things can we put into your nighttime routine that can be calming things like GABA things like, I mean, progesterone boosts GABA. So that could be what's going on. Things like GABA, things like a hot bath with Epsom salts, right? Maybe some 5-HTP. So look at the things that you can do. And also, you know, if your DHEA is low, a little DHEA can lower cortisol. One of the things that could be happening is you have a normal curve with cortisol where it comes up in the morning to wake you up and then starts kind of, you know, it's it's got a curve throughout the day that's going down, but where it really starts to go down is in the afternoon and then the evening to prepare you for sleep. Where you used to probably get away with a lot of stuff at night as you start to get into your 40s, you have to really nail that sleep routine. I mean, yeah. it, it takes like a sledgehammer to turn my brain off at night. So like we have a whole thing we have to do. Otherwise, I will be up to like working away, you know, and it's right. the of entrepreneurs, right? So for me at night, not allowed to do any like stimulating business stuff because it will just, I'll be up. And so we have a whole routine we do. We have these Philips lights. They're called Philips Hues that we have in our bedroom that you can change during the day. They have like the energizing wake up light. They have the nighttime red light. So we have the right lighting at night. We do either a sauna or a hot bath. I take my sleep candy supplement about an hour ahead. I do magnesium. So we have a whole thing. Yes. And I think that's part of it too, is you got to get the nighttime shutdown routine because yes. you're not going to just keep going, 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 and then boom, fall over. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing, right? Yeah. So. I love that. Yeah. You're not 21. You can't pass out on somebody's no. couch and wake up and be like, oh, I'm cool. Like yeah, it really right. does take, it's, it's hard for me when we go to hotels now because we do have the red light bulbs and our room never has real overhead light. You know, it's always yeah. the, when it's sunny, there's light coming in. And when it's nighttime, it's red bulbs. So when we're in a hotel room, I'm like, how do people go to sleep? After I have this? a hack for you. With the lights. Oh, I have do? a hack. I can't. My husband found this and he found a portable Phillips red light. Oh, nice. On the phone. So like, cause we were in a hotel room. I go, oh my gosh, you brought like, how did you do this? So he, it's actually just a little thing. And he brings the red light. I go, we are the most high maintenance travelers. And it's so funny because we travel so much right. and, but that's even more of a reason. So we travel with eye masks. We travel with earplugs. We travel yeah. with red light. We travel with all of our supplements. We travel with a coffee maker. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I was like, it's it's semi-insane, but you know what? Like, I like my routine. Yes. And I'll travel with the TRX trainer if I don't think I'm going to be able to have a really great gym where I'm at, just right. so I'm covered. Do you recommend high intensity training after 40 or more focused on chill strength training, keep cortisol low? So it's not about keeping cortisol low. It's having the right balance, a pattern of cortisol. And here's the thing. What do we lose as we age? We lose muscle, yeah, but we lose more strength and even more power. And it's like the stats I saw was up to 1% muscle per year, 2 to 4% strength, 6 to 8% power. And I just heard something, and I wish I could remember where I heard it. I think Drew Pruitt might have said it, where after the age of 30, like the chance you'll ever sprint again is like down to 1% of the population. I thought, holy mm. smokes, I just bought a sprint treadmill. I'm like, that's not me. Yeah. So you look at it and go, no, this isn't the time not to do those things. When you think about what high intensity interval training does, it actually teaches your body how to handle stress and recover, stress and recover. So we yeah. want to do that. What I think is what I don't love for people as they age is doing a lot of, we need to move more. We need to walk as much as possible. We need to fidget. We need to stand more than sit. Like all of that stuff, that non-exercise activity that actually can be like 15% of our daily. I mean, it can make a huge difference. And then we have our exercise. And to me, exercise, you have to get hot, sweaty. It should hurt a bit. Like the, the interim place of like a hour or two hour jog or cycle, like it's that elevated heart rate for extended period of time. I'm not a fan of that for people as we age because of the cortisol rise there. I say, go for a big ass long walk. If you want to do 30 minutes of zone two after a hit, 
great. But where I really prioritize is resistance training, but going through a couple different modalities, focusing on hypertrophy, which is really six to 30 reps, multiple sets to recruit more muscle fibers and getting close to failure. And then some strength in there, which is that's one to five reps. That's like, you know, strength is is how much you can lift something one time. That is what you need to be able to throw that suitcase into the overhead bin to be able to like, I just had to, we're redoing our gym here and I had to pick up this super heavy weight bench and carry it around. You know, that's strength is like being able to pick and move something up. And that's one of the things we really tend to lose as we age. But the bigger thing, that power, that ability to jump out of the way is so critical. And if we don't train for it, if you don't use it, you lose it. So that is kettlebell swings. That's, you know, a squat thrust. That's a jump. And, you know, people go, oh, you can't do that as you age. I'm like, no, we need to do that because that's where people break their hip and then they die within the year. They never get out, you know, the hospital. It's it's the inability to move out of the way. So train for it in a controlled environment so that like when you do life, I always say you don't train to get better at working out. Like I'm not working out in the gym to get better at working out in the gym. I'm working out in the gym so that I'm better at life. So that, you know, I've, I've now learned if a guy wants to put my suitcase in the overhead bin, I don't look at him smirk and go, I could throw you in the overhead bin, which is the old me would be like, really, you want to lift my suitcase, little guy? But you know, now I'm like, thank you. That's so nice of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, because I, I, you know, I go to the gym and it, it even happened this morning. This guy wanted to fist bump me of like, look at what you look like. I'm like, okay. You know, like that's a lot of weight for a girl. I'm like, you know, that's just a lot of weight. Yeah. Right. Dude. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, dude. But you know, I know they're trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The last question, we talked about this a little bit before, but and you've dropped little mentions about it, but hormone replacement therapy. A lot of women are saying, what's the right time to talk to my doctor about that? I've tried all the holistic things. It's not working anymore. The How... sooner the better. Really? How's that? The sooner the better. I just I just did a talk in Austin. And this gal comes up to me and she goes, you know, because my talk was about how to age powerfully. It was really like F aging gracefully. It's time to age powerfully and really kind of going with that idea of the biggest thing we lose is power. And by the way, think about it. What do we do as women? Like the minute you start talking about building muscle or taking creatine, they're like, I don't want to get big. I'm like, you know what? Get big, show up, be powerful, get strong. You know, why have we been trying to shrink our whole lives? Makes me nuts. Yeah. But she's like, so I was talking about eating protein first and doing hard stuff. And, and then of course the recovery, that's all important, right? She goes, I'm doing all that. I'm so frustrated. I went through menopause five years ago. Nothing's working. I'm doing all the holistic stuff. I don't want to try take anything. I go, go call your doctor tomorrow and get on it already. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was so fortunate that the minute my hormones started to go down and, and again, my younger self would have done all of the cortisol stuff way better. I I just kind of scoffed at all of it and tried to be superwoman way, way longer than I ever should have. And so I could have saved myself a lot of pain. That's the cautionary tale for everybody. But, you know, I knew when my thyroid started to go sideways a bit, replaced that. As estrogen and testosterone and progesterone started to go sideways, started working with those. Why suffer one minute when you don't need to? You know, there's only so much you can do. Like you want to do everything possible with diet and lifestyle, everything possible, add in supplements, do everything possible with supplements, you know, like, but at that point, that's where hormones come in and they're a game changer. And here's the thing. You start to look at women 60 plus and all of their risk factors, because their cardiovascular risk factors, everyone worries about breast cancer, but yeah. the Women's Health Initiative study is everyone's now disproved there was no difference. So that whole thing huh. of it causes breast cancer is BS. I put I have it on my podcast with multiple doctors rolling through those studies showing how stupid it was and what a disservice it did for women. But if you look at what really is the major cause of death for women, it's heart disease. Over 50% of women die of heart disease. And you know what? The minute we go through menopause, if we don't do hormone replacement therapy, our heart disease risk matches those of men. And you look at what happens when women's estrogen goes low. There's three dramatic things that happens. Brain health goes down, cognitive decline, steep. Bone health and heart health. You do estrogen replacement. Those things don't have the issue they have. So 
Why, A, would you suffer where you're going to start gaining fat, losing muscle, losing bone, losing your mind? <laughs> why? why? Why should you do that when you don't have to? And the biggest challenging time you're going to have is as you're going through the, like, once you get on the other side, once you've not had a period for a year, that magic day that, you know, now you're postmenopausal, but once your hormones really do start to go down and they're stable down, it's really easy. It's the time as they're going down that, that you've really got to work in sync with your doctor and lab tests are not going to be as helpful there because it's the symptoms that you've got to manage. And that's what you can manage with estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. And it's a game changer. You'll be able to sleep. You won't want to crawl out of your skin. You know, I just feel so fortunate. I had doctors on hand to help me with this as I went through it, but I've been on hormones since everything started to shift. And I still remember, I remember when my thyroid started to shift because I'd been teaching that course on overcoming weight loss resistance. So I knew all the signs of low thyroid. And for me, low thyroid meant a TSH of 2.14. That was when that everything went crazy on me. So I fixed that. Then my gum started to bleed and I couldn't recover from my workouts like I used to at the gym. And I remember going to my dentist going, oh, my gums are bleeding. He goes, low estrogen. I went, whoa. And mm. minute I started using a little estrogen, now all of a sudden I could recover fine. So boom. And then the, my doc put me on some testosterone. Some of that helped bring my estrogen back up a little bit too. But I mean, like why suffer any at all? There's yeah. no reason to, right? And there's only so much you can do with diet, exercise, and supplements. And someone will say, I want to do this holistically. And I'm like, but that is giving your body back the hormone that it would be using would be giving it, doing it holistically. What podcast episodes do you have? Because I'd love to link to them where you unpack that research because, I mean, it, it is scary when you're looking at down the barrel and you want to potentially supplement with bioidentity. You hear all these things about hormones, right. but then you have this red flag of like estrogen, 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 and breast cancer. So Felice Gersh, I'll give you two of my podcasts and then one of someone else's. So Felice Gersh on mine. And so Dr. Felice Gersh, Dr. Jen Simmons. Okay, I'll link both, to those. Both unpacked it. Dr. Jen Simmons is a breast cancer surgeon and Dr. Felice Gersh is a integrative doc who's been doing hormones for like 30 years. And then Dr. Stephanie Estima on Better just did a really nice job unpacking the Women's Health Initiative and all of the issues with it. So we did it in both those and then she just did like a whole podcast devoted to it. And because it is amazing that it still lives on this fear of breast cancer. But when you unpack that study, you see that actually there wasn't a difference. It was like an insignificant number, but it got blown up by the media. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is no one's come back and said, oh, this was, this was wrong. Like yeah. you have to dig for that, right? Versus it was pushed all over the media. It did so much disservice. Again, when you think of women who, you know, how many women are dying of heart disease? Yeah. Right. And we're all going to go from something, but like you want to go from something, you want to go out like a light bulb, but in your nineties or hundred, not having a heart attack. I think now my husband was telling me that the post pandemic for men there, the average lifespan now is down to 73. And I think it's like 77 for women. Well, like, that shouldn't be like, come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right along with that, Remember, the biggest part of that is quality life. And that all has to do with the way that you exercise, which is why I say HIIT training and resistance training, adding in some power, which you can do in your HIIT training, and some strength, which you can do in your resistance training, so that you're really covering all those bases. And then do some yoga so you can get up off the floor. <laughs> and balance. <laughs> I love it. I love this idea of aging powerfully. It sounds like another book for you. If you have it is my else. next book. Oh, is it? <laughs> it is. It love is what it. I'm working on. Free plug for that. Well Beyond 40 you. is your podcast, jjvirgin.com. We'll link to all of your books in the show notes. Looking forward to what you have coming up next. Anything else you're working on that you want to direct people to? Well, the book isn't until February, 2025, but I'm very <laughs> Obsessed. We're actually putting out a new fitness program built to last. Oh, so I'm great. 
I, yeah, I've literally built an addition onto my house so that I could tape all of this exercise stuff. Cause I go, I just think that we're not being served well. I feel like they're mm-hmm. saying, oh, you're 40 plus, you should stop doing all these things. I'm like, no, no, yes. no, you just need to make sure that you're doing them correctly. And then you got to, you know, how, how do you offset all of this stuff? You've got to do more than your body can handle, right? You've yeah. got to keep pushing your body, keep pushing it. I like, literally, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to start doing things like I'm literally lifting heavier at 60 than I did in my 20s. So it's awesome. (laughs) I'm here for it. I think that sounds awesome. And I get that question all the time, too. It's like, where do I go? I need I need help. I need help lifting. I'm 40 and I never have. What do I do? So I love what you're doing. Um, I love this message. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here, answer all of these questions and for what you're doing for women. Well, thank you. You too. Right back at you. <laughs> for more from me, coconuts and kettleballs.com. For more from JJ, it's jjvirgin.com. Thanks for being here, guys. I will talk to you next week.